Well, good morning, Rick. Welcome back to the Church's Messy podcast. I was actually thinking as I was driving in this morning, Church's Messy would have been an appropriate name for this series besides Dear Church. Yeah. There's a lot of messy stuff That's, to be talking about in these churches. <laughs> That's right. Months and months ago when we were getting ready for this series and laying the groundwork, we were talking about what to uh, what to call it. And we didn't want to lead with something negative, mm-hmm. right? And uh, we want to lead something a, a little bit more uh a little bit more positive. Three, two, one. Yeah, we scrapped things like let's talk. We need to talk. We need to talk. Yeah, and that <laughs> yeah. was my original idea. We need to talk because <laughs> that's what this that's what this feels like. There's good stuff in there, and uh, this week, uh, this coming week. Uh, we're going to get to talk about some good things that the, that the church was was praised for. But the thing that gets the lion's share of attention throughout each each letter is just some cha- some challenging things. They're not always bad, but um, there's something challenging mm-hmm. each week. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's natural that we do focus on the mm-hmm. the places of improvement that Jesus highlights for each church. Uh, maybe in the future, in some of the the more positive ones, we could look at a little bit more of the aspect of what it is that He praises. Sure, something very encouraging about focusing on what is good and uh, and emulating oh, yeah. that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, but uh, yet there's a lot to be learned from other mm-hmm. churches' mistakes, and, yeah. and that's been a big focus of this series. Mm-hmm. Um, so this particular letter, this letter to Pergamum, it was filled with symbolic imagery. Lots of it. Lots of it. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of work to do to help us understand the meaning behind all of these symbols. That's right. Part of it felt a little technical uh, because we had to slow down and make sure that we know what all of those things mean so that we can understand uh, understand this letter. And it's a mixture of uh, Old Testament references, um, cultural references, uh, government political references, and it just kind of takes time to, to sift through that. And we have that all the time in our language. I mean, if you really pay attention, pay attention to conversations. Like mm-hmm. maybe today, after you listen to this, uh, pay attention to conversations you have and listen to all the metaphorical references that people have, all the non-literal speech mm-hmm. that people use just to communicate on a regular basis. So our brains, we're always decoding that all the time. But it's because we know what those things are in sure. reference to. Um, when it comes to reading a document that was written in the first century, we don't always know. We, we don't know those things intuitively. we got to slow down, study, make sure we understand the connection. And that's what we that's what we tried to mm. do. You know, a thought that occurred to me listening to you as you were walking through what a lot of these things, the metaphors and different things mean. Mm-hmm. Um, remember back in, in Revelation chapter one, where Jesus is saying that he's walking along in, a, in and amongst the lampstands. And yes. we talked early on about how there's something beautiful about this picture of Jesus mm. being so connected to yeah. these churches that he's just near to yeah. them. He's with yeah. them. He's in and amongst them. And um, and there's something I think that would be good to not lose sight of that Jesus knew these churches so um, so deeply, so mm. so in that near way that yeah. their local colloquialisms, their local ways of That's speech, right. their slang That's right. just rolled off his tongue. You know, it'd be like Jesus writing us a letter and saying, you know, I know you live in Med City. Absolutely. And- no, yeah, if there was a letter to the church of Rochester, I don't necessarily, I'm not going to speculate about what Jesus would say. Here's a few things I have against you. These are things that you need to repent. I would imagine that there are some. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think you're right. It would be to the church in Med City, you know, I'm the great physician. And he would mm-hmm. he would weave in how he related to us based on 
our experiences in our life and things that we understand. And it's a beautiful picture of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think it provides a roadmap for us of how we should engage with people. We meet people where they're at. We do our best to, to speak their language. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a, a wonderful aspect of, of the Jesus authentication of that church too. Mm-hmm. I, we had a, a funny thing happen this last week. One of our, our young adult children, uh, his phone broke. And, you know, technology the way it is, he was trying to figure out how do I communicate with anyone now that I have no cell phone? Mm. And he sent me an email and the subject line was help. Mm -hmm. And then in the subject was, uh, I can't remember exactly how it was, but it was basically like, could you click this link on this Google Meet? I need to talk. And, you know, my first mom instinct was terror. Like, Mm. you know, no one wants to get an email from your kid saying help. But then I thought, wait this looks really fishy. Yeah. Like it didn't say my name. That's how, yeah. It, it was just a link to click in the email mm-hmm. and it, it, it didn't, it didn't seem to be adding up. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I responded to the email to see what happened. And he's like, Oh no, 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 it's really me. And he started describing like, I am your son. I am the brother of so-and-so who is dating. So-and-so we're about to, ex- to uh, have a new baby in the family whose name will be this. And he just started giving all of these That's details. Awesome. To prove his identity. And I thought, you know, maybe that's kind of another aspect of what Jesus is doing is like he's authenticating himself by proving I know all of these details about you. Yeah, that's awesome. What a great perspective. Well, it's just, it was fun then reading this to see the the symbology doesn't need to bog us down. You know what? Since you brought that up, let's go, let's kind of keep walking down that path and maybe take take a bit of a rabbit trail and talk about something else. I imagine. Uh, that there are folks who would say, I have a hard time getting my mind wrapped around this guy, John. He's on an island, totally away from um, what's happening on the main continent. And he's supposed to get this vision from Jesus and write all of this stuff down. How can we How can we trust this? What you just talked about is part of what authenticates the validity of this, mm-hmm. you know, because there's such intimate detail for each church, each city, what's going on. It really, it really shows that there's a, there's a, it's kind of like when you're reading a story, the narrator is omnipotent. The narrator knows everything that's going on in a way that the characters involved don't. There's a level of understanding and insight that seems to transcend what one person would have, which mm-hmm. I think lends validity and credibility to this really is a message from Jesus that I'm sending to you. This is just kind of too big for me to, to know um, all of these things so well about each church, especially when he can't be there with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you've just mentioned John mm-hmm. as the author of, or at least the the one who recorded this yes. message from Jesus. Yeah, he physically wrote it down. And I don't remember that we've spoken about this. I had a small group leader asking me about this over the weekend about which John this was. Um, sure. In in this leader's mind, it was unquestioned that this was John the Apostle, mm-hmm. the 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 beloved one. Jesus mm-hmm. is you know potentially his best friend, mm-hmm. uh, but but scholars have suggested that there may have been other Johns as well. And, uh, and yeah. she was just a little bit puzzled about, we haven't mentioned that, we haven't really gone into the identity of the the, the John mm-hmm. of this letter. Do you have any any reasons for talking about that or, or maybe not going down that road of identifying the specific John that, that, that this is? Yeah, I guess probably the main reason that I haven't gotten into it is because I'm not sure that talking about him aids um, our understanding of what's being communicated that much. The, the real emphasis is on Jesus and his interaction with his church and the things that they that they need to 
recognize and repent from so they can move forward and, and follow him. You're right that there are, there are biblical scholars who love God's word. They're not, they're not, um, they're not skeptical of God's word, but there is debate over whether or not this is John, the apostle, the best friend close to Jesus or, or a different John. I don't, I don't know. I don't really have a, I don't really have a dog in that hunt. I do lean, I do lean more towards John, the apostle than not, but you know, I'm, I'm not sure that I would win a debate if mm-hmm. <laughs> I was in a in a debate with with someone, and so I just haven't really gotten into that because I'm not sure that it ha- that it significantly aids um, our ability to understand what we're focusing on. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, fair to what it's worth, the early church fathers, early mm-hmm. church seemed to affirm that it was sure. John the Apostle. So yeah. I have no reason to believe it's somebody other than him. Mm-hmm. I have absolutely no reason to believe that. So well, I'm not. Pers- I'm not. Yeah, I'm not persuaded by those arguments, but. Like I said, I probably wouldn't win a debate <laughs> either. <laughs> um, one of the things that I've really enjoyed about this Dear Church series so mm-hmm. far is how you've brought out an unexpected message mm. for us to, to yeah. chew on a little bit from each message. And uh, and this week's unexpected message was that standing up for Jesus isn't necessarily the same thing as standing with Jesus. Correct, yeah. And uh, and I'd love you just to unpack that a little bit more for us, and then mm-hmm. maybe we can get into some practical application for our congregation. Yeah, I think I've quoted this pastor before on, on an episode of the podcast that uh, demonstrating for Jesus is not the same thing as demonstrating Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a, that's a really helpful thing. And this church, let's they they were faithful. Um, you they were they were committed for staying true to his name, which is standing with. Um, not just standing for. Uh, they were faithful even in the time when when a guy named Antipas was was killed, and so that was uh, that's this serious. That's high praise in a very serious, difficult situation. And yet, there are things about this church that actually does stand against Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, you're st- so they're they're able to in some ways stand up for him and maintain their allegiance to him, in other ways contradict that. And and I man, I just think that's important for us. It's so easy. It's so easy to reduce sometimes. Well, um, I'm. I'm publicly for Jesus, right? And I and I let people know that I go to church and I pray in public and I say Merry Christmas. I don't say Happy Holidays and and I let people know what I believe and all of those kinds of things, right? But that's not necessarily the same thing as demonstrating what Jesus is like in the way that we live our life and the way that we are mm-hmm. is aligned with the way that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I Listen, I'll say this. I might say something like this this weekend. I, even though that comes some of the things we talked about in, in the message this past weekend, I don't want to be like the theology police. I don't want to be the church police. I want to be a pastor. That's re- that's all that I. That's all that I want to be. And yet, I I just want to wreck it without naming names or targeting anybody. I read and I listen and and I know what other prominent Christian voices are saying. And sometimes, it just feels like okay, technically you're right. What, what you're saying is technically right, it's theologically accurate. It's just your tone, your demeanor, the mm. way you engage people. It doesn't feel anything like Jesus. Yeah, You're standing up for Jesus, but I don't know that you're necessarily standing with Jesus. Um, so I I don't want to be too provocative. But I just want, I really want people, I, my ultimate goal is for people to say, well, I want to shine the spotlight on myself, all right? Am I just claiming the name of Jesus or am I actually being like Jesus or mm-hmm. really joining him and the kind of things mm-hmm. that he is 
that he's for. Yeah, because it is possible about. to say all true things Balaam. about Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah perfect example from, from this passage. Yeah, everything yeah. that he said was technically right. He never once misrepresented God or his message. Mm-hmm. But his character was just dead wrong. So is that part of how you see this message, this particular passage, playing out the series thesis about you can know the truth, but mm-hmm. it's what's important is are we submitting to the truth? That's right. Is yeah, you can know the truth, you can repeat the truth, you can you can talk the truth, but submitting to the truth is a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, we can say all of the right things about mm-hmm. Jesus. We can know the right things. We can even stand up for that and mm-hmm. shout them in the market square. Yeah. But we may completely miss the whole point of actually being like Jesus mm-hmm. in the way that we're doing that. And this harkens back to the Ephesian church, or to the, the week one. Their theology was right on the money. They had so much discernment things that they were given high praise for, and yet they were loveless. They were, they knew the truth about Jesus. They stood for the truth, but they were unlike Jesus in their disposition, and they had even lost their love for mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. This so, is a, I mean, pause. And I, one of my favorite, maybe my all-time favorite pastor was Tim Keller, who passed away, and uh, sometimes he would end his sermon, and he would just say, because I'd, I'd, I'd be, th- I'd listen to him, and I'd be like, okay, this is a great message. How do I apply this? And he'd end his sermon like this: "Go discover what this means." <laughs> <laughs> and maybe he did that because he was out of time, or maybe he would end his sermon that way sometimes because someone can't just tell you you got to marinate in it, you got to wrestle with it, you got to mm-hmm. pray through it. Um, you can't you can't zap your way to it. Yeah. Okay. But at the same time, what I was wanting to do today was to give some more practical handholds. I'll for do people. my best. I'll do my best. <laughs> and so if, you know, maybe help help in this way. If someone is wanting to do the work of a little bit of reflection and mm-hmm. contemplation to say, am I, am I falling into that trap of saying the right things and even thinking that I'm standing up for Jesus, but I'm doing it in a way that doesn't actually reflect mm-hmm. Jesus? What would be some helpful things just to ponder or to reflect on or to, to be a little bit more introspective to, to evaluate oneself in that? Okay. We're gonna we're gonna wade into this and walk through it in no particular order. Okay. Right? When you um when you wanna talk about things that are important to you, like when you wanna represent Jesus, represent your faith, do people ask you questions? Mm-hmm. Do people seem like they want to talk to you? Um, and you know that they wanna talk to you if they are asking questions and they want any more. If they're not, then it could be. I'm not saying it definitely is, but it could be that you're not re- necessarily representing the love of Jesus well. You're representing the truth, but you're not representing the grace and the kindness and love. I had a conversation with somebody, and uh, he's and it, the the focus was he just wanted to be he wanted to be clear in communication. He was striving for that, and and I I applaud that. I think I think that's wonderful. Clarity is kindness. Let's be let's do the best we can to communicate what we believe as clearly as we can in a way that's helpful for someone else to understand. But what I said to him is if I had to choose between loving well and communicating well, I'm going to choose loving well. Mm. Because if you love well, people will give you many times, not every time, but but more often than not, people will give you permission to communicate even if you don't communicate well. Mm. But communicating well is not the same thing as loving well. Mm-hmm. And so love love people well. Be be. Be an, 
a tremendous friend, coworker, family member, neighbor, be invested in the well-being of others. And if people aren't asking you questions, if they're not, if they're not wanting to, to understand why you see things the way you see it, it gets your perspective. It might be because what you believe is loud and clear, but what you've experienced from Jesus isn't yet loud and clear. Mm. Mm. Does that make That's, sense? Yeah. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. That's very provocative. My <laughs> That will give people a lot of <laughs> material to reflect on. My wife is one of the best examples of this that I've that I've ever seen. Hmm. And like I'm not I'm not like I'm not trailing behind her. She's so far ahead of me I can't even <laughs> see her, right? <laughs> and let me I've one night we were driving home from a friend's house and a coworker some one of her direct reports called her late at night because her mom died and Heather was the first person this woman called. Oh, uh-huh. Her supervisor uh-huh. was the first person in her world that she called. Wow. And and it's because and I've seen it, I've seen it play out for years over and over and over again. Is she's for her love is the agenda. It is just to love people and because of that, because of we've had people in our home who will spend hours just wanting to talk about Jesus. Um, people who are irreligious and will you'll never see dark in the doorstep of a church want her to pray with them, wanting mm-hmm. her to uh, wanting her to to share more about what she believes. People who you would never think would come to a church service came, come to a church service and and love it because she is just she's she's on the cutting edge of just loving 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 people. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, tell me more, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're never getting like people want to know, they're not opening up to you, they're not asking questions, maybe it's because maybe it's because truth is 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 the leading edge more than love being the leading edge. Yeah. And, and I get it because that's kind of how I am. <laughs> I could be a, I could be a strong flavor. <laughs> well, we had a, a text that I yeah. received from one of our small group leaders yesterday that uh, that yeah. kind of gets yeah. at this a little bit. And it's maybe, maybe the flip side of the mm-hmm. coin um, from what we're talking about, but I think it maybe brings out another aspect of this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, this leader was talking about how to navigate both being loving and kind in a way that is reflecting Jesus, mm-hmm. but also kind of navigating the way through the difficulty of a society, especially in the marketplace that requires us mm-hmm. to be open and loving mm-hmm. towards others and accepting of yeah. all people that we don't agree with necessarily. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And and how to how to both reflect the love of Jesus while not shrinking back from yeah. the truth. Yeah. So so you talked about truth sometimes being the leading edge and mm-hmm. not loving well. Mm-hmm. How do we love well without lacking that's that right black lacking truth. that's right we don't want to hold back on truth we don't want to compromise that we want to hold on to that just as strongly we want to hold up grace and truth equally and never compromise one for the for the for the sake of the other um so do we have a do we have a specific scenario or am i supposed to would it to to like engage engage vaguely <laughs> well, there's not a specific scenario in the question that was sent in, but uh, but I don't think you have to reach very far to to imagine. And I think mm-hmm. it would be more helpful to to maybe talk a little bit more specifically. So um, let me just kind of start this way. Whenever you're in a situation where to continue forward, you your understanding is that you would have to compromise what you believe or compromise your allegiance to Jesus 
But you, you, gotta, you just got to lean in. It's so, again, like I said on Sunday, I'm probably the wrong guy to talk about this. I have worked, I, I have, I've had non-church jobs in my life, but for the past 25 years, I've been in pastoral ministry. I haven't had to live this out. Other people have had to li- live this out. And so I would encourage you to, to really listen to and talk to people who, who've had to engage. But let's say that I'm, you're in a scenario and you're being asked to do something and it compromises your integrity, your commitment to Jesus, what you know to be true, what I would say is figure out a way to talk about that and aim for a way to engage it without being without being hostile. Don't come across on on the defensive. Don't like don't look to fight. Look for what is the most peaceful, winsome way to engage mm-hmm. that you can imagine. Maybe start with this question, what is the best possible outcome? that you can imagine. I learned that from a book I've, I've been reading, Henry Cloud. I'm reading this book by Henry Cloud, and one of the questions he asks is, what's the best possible outcome hmm. we can imagine? So what's the best like possible that. outcome that you can imagine? And then kind of engage with that in mind. Like, how could you engage that would support that? Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that they're gonna that they're gonna respond in a helpful way or a, a way that you would appreciate, but it's about how you engage and, and what you contribute. Mm-hmm. Do you envision mm-hmm. it being something that we may need increasing tools for in our society as as, as society moves in directions that that is post Christian um, to have some ways of I like the the engaging with the best possible outcome in mind, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll also have scenarios come up where maybe what the the accepted um, laws, maybe not legal laws of the land, but moral laws or mm-hmm. just social norms may conflict with some of our Christian values. Mm-hmm. Um, when we find ourselves in places like that where society is encouraging us to mm-hmm. accept something, to to affirm something that maybe is in conflict with that, mm-hmm. just give us some more practical steps on how to still reflect the love of Jesus without compromising. All right, so I'm going to ramble and while I'm rambling, I w- you come up with a scenario. Okay. Because I think I think that might be I think that might be helpful if you think you can come up with one. But um, you know, there's no substitute for for wisdom and I would encourage you to think ahead. If you know that there's a kind of scenario coming, think think ahead. Um, but there are times that scenarios catch you off guard. I've been caught off guard plenty of times and you just, you make a judgment call and you do the best you can. I remember, um, I remember one time I was, I was having coffee with someone who was, who was new and, um, and wasn't sure if they, they wanted to, to come to, to our church or not. And, um, this, uh, this was, this was a person whose natal sex was female, but identified as male, um, went by, uh, the the name uh, was kind of was one of those not a gender neutral name I don't know if they're gender neutral names but a name that could that could go mm-hmm. either way you don't know and then but let me know that her natal sex was was female but she identified as a as a man and so um, wanted to use male pronouns I'm just like I, I I referred I referred to this individual with male pronouns we're sitting out at a coffee shop in town and I'm like I. It's not because I'm affirming that, but it's just I'm engaged. I don't feel like it's I didn't feel like in that scenario that that was causing me to to lie or to abandon my um, my allegiance to Jesus. Um, It's just this is how this person presented presented themselves to me. So I'm just engaging them, trying to keep the conversation going, trying to be kind, trying to be polite. If it was. But if it was a thing. 
scenario, would you, would you, where I was being told or asked to use different pronouns as a celebration of, or as an affirmation of that gender is based on something other than, than our natal sex. Well, then I couldn't do that. Mm. And you kind of have to make a judgment call. You kind of have to make a judgment call in the, in, in the, in the moment. Um, if I was, if I was, Let's say I just worked for a company. Let's say I worked for ESPN and I'm a sports commentator mm-hmm. <laughs> or I got my own radio show uh, talking about college football or something okay. like that. And uh, so I'm not working for a church and there's a card going around and maybe people are collecting money to buy um, to buy a present for someone who is going to get uh, who's about to get married and everybody gets married. That's just kind of thing they do in that department. And it's a same sex marriage. Do I sign the card and say, congratulations? Do I throw in a couple of bucks for a gift? What, what, what do I do there? Um, I'm just probably just going to sign the card and not, you know, not, not die on that hill. Probably going to, probably going to throw in a few bucks. But if I'm ever in a situation where I have to affirm or celebrate that, well, then I'm not going to do that. And I've got to figure, everybody's got to figure out where that, where that line is. Mm-hmm. And there's, you're not going to read something in the new Testament that says clearly where that line is, but you have to, you have to make judgment calls, but never do something that violates your conscience. Yeah. Am I being, is this, yeah, you know, and bringing it back to yeah. the message, kind of the, the main point that mm-hmm. you were driving to was that any teaching or teacher that accommodates a desire that contradicts devotion right. to Jesus yeah. is standing against Jesus. That's right. And, and so, yeah, what's the motivation behind it? Is this something that is drawing us away from the teachings of Jesus? Or is it something that we can still navigate our way through this mm-hmm. scenario in a way that reflects the love yeah. of Jesus with the intent and the hope of showing Jesus mm-hmm. in that scenario without compromising our allegiance to him? And let's remember that the, that the emphasis is what's going on inside the church not speaking to sins outside the church. Okay, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. So I know that people, I know based on some emails and conversations that I have people and, and questions people have asked me directly, they're like, okay, so when do I speak about stuff out outside the church? That's not what we're focusing on. We're focusing on inside, inside the church. If I'm talking to somebody outside of the church, someone who doesn't know Jesus, I'm not trying to find and speak to every sin in their life. I'm just trying to, I just want to point them to Jesus Right, and mm-hmm. and I want them to know him, trust him, follow him, and and I'm going to trust I'm going to trust Jesus to change those folks from the inside out. But I want to fo- I want to focus on Jesus, and I want to share I want to share the gospel, which does involve sin. But I'm not like trying to identify and speak to every sin in their life. But when we're talking about stuff inside the church, mm-hmm. right? Anytime there is a teaching that contradicts the gospel, we just say whoa 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 that's yeah not not here, but mm-hmm. that's. That is that's that's anti-gospel. That's contradicting what Jesus has given us. We're not we're not going to allow that to take root mm-hmm. here. Anytime someone would be promoting any kind of behavior that is uh, that is contrary to the gospel, say nope, not here. And i I feel like I feel like there's this like gravitational pull to keep talking about. Um, to keep talking about sexual stuff, and that seems like that's where conversations go. And and you know, even when I was talking about some of the stuff in the message that I was talking about, it seems like that's where it gets a lot of attention. And really, what I'm trying to focus on is when it's teaching or behavior that contradicts who Jesus is, the gospel, and what He's given us and the life He's called us into. We say no, we're we're just we're not going to participate in that. 
for, from my pers- from my perspective, from, from my view where I sit and I'm watching what's going on, the biggest problem in the church world, the biggest problem for for believers in our country and in our communities is lovelessness. Mm. Just being rude, mm-hmm. being judgmental, being quick to identify something as wrong, but from a disposition that doesn't feel like you love that person, love others, and love Jesus. It's like there's this kind of delight in, it's like whack-a-mole. It's like <laughs> enjoying being able to point something out. Yeah. It's this kind of sense of superiority. It's it's disliking the people who you gleefully find something wrong with it's being afraid of them it's it's no desire to to understand them and um, serve them and seek the best interests and there was just and I, I had there are there are too many prominent voices who are all about truth but they don't demonstrate the truth goodness and beauty of Jesus they don't demonstrate loveliness mm-hmm. and we become like the people who disciple us mm-hmm. we become like the people who we listen to the most. It's not it's not just it's not just doctrine that forms us. It's the values that form us. And if love and kindness and gentleness and patience, if all those things are not included, then they're going to be lacking in our own transformation and mm-hmm. our own formation. And I, I think that's the bigger deal. Yeah. I think that I think that is I think that is a far bigger deal. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, and I'm just thinking as you're saying this, knowledge and truth is essential. It is the foundation mm-hmm. that we build our faith on and yeah. knowing the truth about who Jesus is. Yeah. Uh, and yet even the demons knew the truth about Jesus. And shuddered. And they their knew knowledge, it. yeah, their knowledge affected them. They they knew the truth and they had an emotional response to the truth. Yeah. Yeah. According to James. But the fruit of the Spirit are the things you just mentioned. Yeah. Love, joy, and peace, patience, yeah. kindness, gentleness, self-control. All of these these other aspects are the things the demons obviously don't have. Yeah. <laughs> they have the truth, but they don't have the fruit of the Spirit. Because they haven't and submitted. We don't want to neglect yeah. the uh, the actual things that prove the evidence of the Spirit in That's our right. lives at the expense of focusing yeah. solely on truth. You know, there is, if there is, I think... This would go a long way. If we wrestled with this, if we embraced this, if this really kind of just took root in our hearts and our minds, I think this would go a long way. Is we get it's we love to focus on the sins of the out group. At, and we don't spend near as enough attention mm-hmm. of the sins of the in group. Like it's we we focus on the sins of those people out there. We don't think our our sins, but we focus we don't do that with our own sins. In my career as a pastor, people have lined up to thank me when I've talked about a biblical sexual ethic and, and, and when, when I've talked about sins that are perceived as being out there and not in here. Mm. No one ever lines up to thank me when I talk about greed. Mm. No one ever lines up to thank me when I talk about rumors and gossip. Mm-hmm. No one ever lines up to thank me when we, when we, we talk about the kinds of stuff that that persist within church community, mm-hmm. right? It's so, okay, I get that. 
I don't know that I ever line up to thank anybody for like, hey, thanks for pointing out my sin, buddy. Like, I don't know that I do that, right? So, but it's just this letter, these letters that Jesus is writing to the church, to, to, to the churches there. He's saying, listen, there are things within the church. There are things that you're allowing. There are things that are doing, and it is wounding you. It hurts you. It hurts each other. And ultimately, it is going to hurt your ability to represent me. And, and I'm asking you to take an honest look at it and repent of it. Yeah, I think about I think about Paul when he wrote to the Corinthian church. He says, I'm, what business is it of mine to judge people who are outside the church? I'm talking about inside, mm-hmm. inside the church. And so let's... So when any time we recognize thinking, attitude, or teaching that's contradicting Jesus, we say, eh, nope, not allowed. That we're not we're just we're not doing that here. Anytime attitudes or behaviors that contradict Jesus, we're not allowing that. And we just can I just say, in the American church, we have given a we've just given a pass to arrogance, lovelessness, and harshness. We've given a pass to it as long as they say the right things. Mm. And Jesus said to a church like that, if you don't repent, I'm going to end your church. I will disband your church. I'm going to take away your lampstand. A lampstand represents church. And for whatever reason, we don't we don't grieve that as much as we grieve sins of other people. Yeah. Let's grieve that. I appreciate this. This is a really good recalibration mm-hmm. of where we're focusing. Yeah. And, and as we walk through the remaining letters to the churches to remember that yeah. the, the spotlight is supposed to be inward mm-hmm. on, on how we're engaging in these things in the church, yes. not necessarily how we're then taking them out into mm-hmm. the world where we shouldn't expect the world to look like Christ. Yeah. But we should be looking for Christ yeah. within the church. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I look forward to to continuing to uh, do the work of that introspection and uh, to see what Jesus has for us week after week. All right. Thanks, Faye. We'll see everybody. Or we won't see anybody, (laughs) but we'll be talking to everybody next week.